Welcome to China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. Some people in China remain in the dark about the horrors of the war in Ukraine because state media censors out a lot of the worst information. However, Zhang Jun, China's representative at the United Nations, can be under no illusions as to the extent of the suffering. He was briefed on the situation in detail by Ukraine's president Volodymyr Zelensky when he gave a vivid account of the brutal treatment of civilians by Russian soldiers as part of his testimony to members of the UN Security Council. China, along with Russia, is a permanent member of that group. China says it remains committed to promoting peace through negotiations. It says it supports the UN's efforts to end the conflict and aims to maintain dialogue with both Ukraine and Russia. Yet Xi Jinping and Foreign Minister Wang Yi have been absent from the many summits called to try to stop the war, and state media outlets in China continue to peddle the line that the US and its NATO allies are instigators of the conflict. Well, joining me now to offer an explanation of China's position on the Ukraine crisis is a journalist and editor with a great deal of insight into this topic, Howard Zhang from the BBC's Chinese service. Howard, welcome back. Thank you, Duncan. Howard, you've been listening carefully to everything that China has been saying officially about the war in Ukraine. You've also been analysing some of the unspoken messages. Can you start by summarising for us how China sees the situation? You're absolutely right to say that we're witnessing a very consistent pro-Russia propaganda campaign from day one of the war, with some minor fine-tuning now as Russia's war uh, start to be bogged down in Ukraine. The Chinese national media initially made no mention of the word war and only referred to it as the Ukraine situation. Also, until this moment, they've not mentioned a single time that this is an invasion or Russian aggression. And uh, they continue to blast NATO and the US as the uh, cause, uh, the main culprit for starting the war, which is, uh, you know, for most of the world is a bit difficult to understand. And uh, they also continue to voice or vent Russian perspective, Russian anger, Russian fury at the West's so-called expansion or aggressive posture. I guess the hidden message behind it is that China or the Chinese leadership in Beijing feels very much in the same kind of uh, shoes as Putin, feeling the West is pushing ever closer to their comfort zone in East, South China Sea, uh, on the issues of Taiwan, issue of Xinjiang, and overall with the uh, push uh, for China to become more rule-abiding uh, uh, internationally. I guess all of that runs counter to their ambition and their regional perspectives on things. And that world order is referred to by many in the Chinese kind of uh, ruling elite as what they call the Cold War mentality. And that's the whole reason why they're almost taking a one-sided pro-Russia approach at this very moment. Well, that's a fascinating piece of analysis to start us off with. I want to share a quote which I actually heard on the BBC, which really stood out to me. Wars end eventually. That's a quote from Wang Yi, the state councillor, 
who's China's foreign minister, he also said something interesting. He said China stands on the right side of history when it comes to Ukraine. Why is he using these rather grand historical terms? I guess that uh, reference is uh, mainly to what President Xi Jinping mentioned uh, uh, in recent years. In President Xi Jinping's assessment that the world has come to once in a century great moment of change and uh, the existing world order will eventually give away to a new world order. And uh, Russia and China, by opposing what they see as US post-Cold War hegemony, is on the right side of history. They call for a multipolar world rather than the US-led unipolar world. This is what, I guess, Councillor, State Councillor and uh, Foreign Minister Wang Yi is stating. And uh, they... That's why you see the Chinese state media uh, repeatedly calling for an end to the West Cold War mentality and accept a multipolar world and stop dictating terms in uh, world affairs. And uh, that's very consistent of uh, Beijing's side of view. Well, many international leaders have tried to press China into using its considerable influence on Russia to halt the invasion of Ukraine. What's your view on that? Is this an approach which is likely to be successful? In that, I have to to say, you know, if we look at the situation in North Korea, the situation uh, before in uh, the Sudans, and uh, in many areas, the West have always tried to pressure Beijing and uh, thinking Beijing's got uh, enough influence over, you know, whether it was uh, Hatoum or, uh, you know, Pyongyang. And uh, at the end of day, I guess for Beijing, its consideration is more about Beijing. It's more about what we can get out of this and also what we can do is best for Beijing's interest or what they perceive as best for their interest. At this very moment, if Russia is fighting the fight, along their way of thinking, their framework of a better world order in which Russia and China can have more say. What is the incentive for Beijing to go and trying to ask Russia to stop this fight? And uh, if it's, it views it, it's in its own interest. Even given all the financial economic links and uh, the potential risks to Beijing's investment, in uh, the West and also the Western uh, uh, economic links may be damaged between Beijing and and Europe and and the US, they will still have to weigh on what's the overall gains and uh, losses to eventually come to an assessment. So at this moment, to make sure I can't see there's real incentive for Beijing to really push Russia to stop. Many even privately suggested If Russia and uh, the West continue to prolong this fight, they may take actually pressure off Beijing because uh, the US can't really try to take on both China and Russia at the same time. Let's look at things from an American perspective. I think that in the mind of the President of the United States, there's a moral equivalence between the situation in Ukraine and some of the worst human rights abuses by China. So when Joe Biden gave a speech near the border with Ukraine recently during a trip to Poland. He said, I mean, talk about what happened at Tiananmen Square. This is Tiananmen Square squared. What's your view? Do you see a parallel? In many ways, uh, 
you know, whether it's Tiananmen Square, is, uh, you know, the crackdown in Hong Kong, in many of those, if you take the US view, this is a authoritarian government ignoring or sweeping aside people's wishes and decide to use force to impose their way of thinking and their thoughts on the population. So from that angle, I guess you can see that parallel. The difference is um, what happened between Ukraine and Russia is an international affair. And uh, this is a international aggression. And uh, what happened in Tiananmen Square or in Hong Kong or in Xinjiang is more of a domestic crackdown. And uh, I guess that's the difference. Having delivered that speech in Poland, Mr. Biden then went back to Washington and he asked Congress for $813 billion in defence spending, including around another $2 billion to expand the US military presence in the Indo-Pacific. A couple of reasons were given for that. One was Russian aggression. Well, that makes sense in the context of Ukraine. But another one, to quote the US Secretary of Defence Lloyd Austin, was the pacing challenge of China. Now, I thought that was an unusual term, pacing challenge. Can you help us to decode the language here? What are the Americans actually saying? From what I can read, and also from reading some of the uh, US strategic thinkers' recent books, uh, you know, including uh, Roshi's uh, Grand Strategy and many of the other books, the US start to realize that Ever since the 1980s, China has been developing a grand strategy of asymmetric power to blunt U.S. influence and U.S. capabilities in the Indo-Pacific area by developing not the full spectrum of military capabilities, but a selected few, what they called the killer's maze or the uh, uh, essentially silver bullet type of uh, weaponry systems, such as the high speed uh, missiles, such as uh, overpowering kind of submarine warfare capabilities, uh, drones, certain things that will deny US access to the area in case of a confrontation. And uh, so they're pouring lots of resources into very selected few, very targeted few systems. Meanwhile, the US is burdened with trying to keep world peace and investing in every single platform, every single uh, systems. And uh, I guess what they're calling now is to be more specific in future investment. And some of the signs we can see already, the US facing out even fairly still fairly advanced F-22 you know, fighters and uh, trying to introduce some other systems to counter the China, what they perceive as more aggressive China stand. So those are the maneuverings behind I can read from those lines. Mr. Biden said to Xi Jinping that China must not help Russia evade the economic sanctions, which are being imposed on it by the West, as a punishment, of course, for the attack on Ukraine. China always objects to sanctions, but it must also be very wary of being hit by secondary sanctions as a result of supporting Russia. So how's China handling this dilemma? Uh, At this very moment, I think on the very surface, many of the more international facing Chinese enterprises are doing, I guess, uh, exactly what the sanctions 
uh, required. We've seen reports, uh, companies such as Huawei, as many of the uh, banks are abiding by the uh, international sanctions. But that is not to say many of the uh, more domestic facing Chinese companies are not taking this almost as an opportunity to sell more goods, to open more market, uh, to gain more market share in Russia. So uh, whether they're breaching sanctions and whether the US or Western allies has got the ability to verify on the ground every single Chinese company that trades with Russia, that's a big question that I have no answer of. And uh, But we do see ground evidence of Chinese uh, uh, freight trains continue to go from Manchuria to Russia. And uh, recently we've seen uh, uh, Chinese reports of continued import of Russian energy and uh, food stuff. So it, it's, a, it's a mixed picture in that sense. And I think Again, the more international Chinese companies, because of the potential risks of being hit by sanctions, may be more reluctant to deal with Russia, but the more domestic-facing Chinese companies is another story. I wonder if China expects the war in Ukraine to cause long-term problems for America and its allies. The Economist magazine said recently that China is focusing on its own dream of establishing an alternative to the Western liberal order. Chinese officials confidently tell Western diplomats that unity over Russia will splinter as the war drags on and the costs to the West will mount. What's your view on that interpretation? Uh, that's a very calculated assessment. And uh, whether that will be proven true, it, it, it's a big question mark, I guess, even for us here uh, watching, because uh, in the West, whether it's in France, and which the, the second round of presidential election will come up very soon, as well as in the UK in a couple of years and uh, US midterm, the voters will answer these questions for us. And uh, inflation, energy related, as well as uh, all the war related rising costs and uh, inconvenience in many things and the uh, eventual hit on jobs and uh, uh, people's living standards, whether those elements will filter through through the elections and become some type of a destabilizing factor in the West and force Western government to change their decisions on certain sanctions, on uh, you know their approach to Russia, those are big open questions. And I think Russian, uh, and, and possibly Chinese or Chinese and Russian officials are all betting on the West simply cannot take on all those pain. For them, because of the uh, authoritarian and autocratic system they run, they are confident they can properly make sure that no rebellion and uh, no unrest would destabilize their decision making. But uh, they don't think the same will happen in the West. Thank you, Howard. These are weighty matters, and it can be hard to obtain clear analysis, but I feel I've really delved deep into the psyche of China's leaders. That was Howard Zhang, editor of the BBC's Chinese service. This podcast is produced by the SOAS China Institute, part of the University of London, and you can find out more about the courses and research soas.ac.uk. But for now, that's all from us here at the China in Context podcast team.